Welcome to this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. This week we are going to be talking about the power of first mention and witchcraft in children's content. Alright, I just have to start today by sharing something a little shocking with you. This is a parent warning, so for the next few minutes, please don't let your children listen. Um, so turn it down or save it for when they're not around this, just this first couple of minutes. Um, so my friend is on a New Zealand Facebook group, like a mum's Facebook group, and I was catching up with her the other day, and she told me that there was a mum on there who posted in the group asking for advice and help on what to do because her seven-year-old, her seven-year-old child who goes to school where they have, you know, the devices and the, um, I don't know if they're iPads or Chromebooks or whatever it is, but they have devices at that school that they use a lot. What she discovered is that her seven-year-old had been using their device, their school device, to watch hardcore, violent porn. A seven-year-old was watching hardcore violent porn on their school device. This was in Auckland, a school in Auckland. So the device had all of the school approved, you know, internet protections and restrictions on it apparently, but the kids were actually teaching each other. So I don't know who started it, obviously someone started it at that school, but it went around the school and all of these seven-year-olds were teaching each other how to go incognito on um, their internet browsing. Uh, and then also delete all of their search history and their internet history so that they could hide it. I mean, if that's not shocking, I don't know what is. It's absolutely devastating. Like I can't imagine if my son, who is also seven, if I found out that that's what he had been watching at school. I mean, it's heartbreaking. That's It's an absolute tragedy. And apparently... These kids were also using their, um, these devices at lunchtime. So all of these kids learning from each other how to watch these terrible things that kids should not be, even adults shouldn't be watching that, but they were watching it. Have you heard of the power of first mention? It's something my cousin told me about a while ago. Um, but it's how the first mention or the first experience of something, it just, it has power because once you have that first mention, you will subconsciously be comparing everything else against that first mention. So let's say it was the first time that someone mentioned drugs to you and they painted it as wonderful. You know, um, they said, oh, it's fun. It's awesome. It's a great thing to do. Um, you'll love drugs what's going to happen is that the child is then going to have that as their power of first mention. That's the thing they're going to always be looking at whenever they think about drugs or someone talks to them about drugs. So if someone says drugs are, mad, drugs are bad, then they're automatically comparing it with that first mention of, wait a second, no they're not, they're fun. They might not say that, but they'll. it'll be like a mental thing that, that goes on. Um, so if the first mention of I mean, I'm laughing, I had a little laugh there, but I'm not, it's not funny. I'm just like amazed in a bad way. But if the first mention of like sex with your child is looking at violent pornography with your friends for fun at school, 
that's where your first mention, your first understanding of it comes from, I mean, that's horrifying. <laughs> that's not what it is. That's not what sex is. It's that, that way of looking at it is not from God um, because the way that God made sex is for it to be holy and to be good within the confines of marriage. But this way, it becomes something that is secret, hidden, violent, and meant to hurt either you or the other person involved for selfish pleasure. Just awful. I really hope, I mean, like, there's nothing I can do about that woman except for pray for her. Pray for her child. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl. And if I was her, I would be outraged and going to my school. Um, but also I'd be taking a serious look at myself and how I let my children watch those types of things. That's right. I forgot. I'm going to quickly just go, oh, no, I won't grab it. That'll be too long. Have you? If you haven't already bought it, I think you should definitely buy this for your children. It's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And it's a book that I have in the other room, but I'm not going to run and get it. And it's basically protecting your children from pornography in a simple way that they can understand good pictures, bad pictures. It talks about how there are good pictures and good things, you know, like our family, friends, playing, sports, a cute puppy. Those are the good pictures and that's good and wonderful and we should see that. But then it talks also about the bad pictures and what to do if you see a bad picture. And it describes in a very kid-friendly way what a bad picture is. Um, but I definitely recommend, I think everyone should have that um, for their kids. Good pictures, bad pictures, you can order it online. My kids, we, we read it every now and again just to remind the kids, but they understand it well and it's good. Because you know what's funny? The first time that my kids got the phone, got my phone and were like playing with it, I have the lock on, so the only thing they can do is like swipe to access the camera. The first thing they started doing when they saw my camera was they pulled down their pants and took photos of their bottoms. And like, ha ha ha, yeah, they think that's funny. But it's actually, you know, <laughs> their innocence and being silly and funny is actually not a safe thing to do. So we're, this book also talks about that, you know, like it's not good for someone to take photos of your private parts or it's not good to look at photos of somebody else's private parts and what you should do when you come across that. I, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's something like, first thing to do is look away. The next thing to do is tell an adult that you trust. And it also goes into how uh, you're not bad if you've seen a bad picture. It's just a bad picture and we need to do something about it. Anyway, great book. So I definitely recommend doing that. But yeah, I just, yeah, I just, my heart goes out to that mum. Parents, we need to be so careful, don't we? So careful. Oh, terrible. Anyway, that was just a, a bit of a first mention. <laughs> that was not the main point of our podcast today. I just wanted to share that with you because it's so important that we're aware. All right, so today on the podcast, we're not doing a Bible study per se. Uh, instead, we are going to be talking about kids content that contains witchcraft. Now, as Christian parents, should we let our kids watch TVs or movies that contain witchcraft? Should we not let them watch any at all? Is a middle ground even possible when it comes to witchcraft in children's content? We're going to get into all of that 
today. Now, last week we had a chat about how my husband and I manage the content that our kids watch. That's not to say that how we do things is how you should do things. Rather, I hope that if you were listening last week, that the episode gave you a chance to think a little deeper about what you do or do not let your kids watch. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it might be a good idea just to go back and listen to that first and then come right on back to this one. So my name is Krista. Welcome to the Outside of Sunday podcast. This podcast is part Bible study, part conversation, but the goal is to encourage you to get outside of Sunday. Yes, absolutely go to church, but don't save everything for Sunday. Take your worship outside of Sunday, your Bible reading outside of Sunday, your prayer life outside of Sunday. I'm not a pastor or a theologian. I definitely don't have it all figured out, but I love the Lord. I'm passionate about his word and I want to spend my life bringing him as much glory as I can. I hope this podcast can help you and help you to pursue our Lord and grow in your faith outside of Sunday. So, witchcraft in movies. There are a lot of movies and kids shows these days, and I mean a lot, where the core core storyline features some kind of a witchcrafty element. And it's been like that for a long time. Before Netflix or television programming, parents would read or tell stories to their kids. And many of the stories would feature fairies, witches, wizards, and magic of one kind or another. It might have even been worse back then. I remember reading some um, old Grimm's fairy tales, and they're pretty disturbing. But that was what people would read to their kids. So not much has changed. It's just now it's visual in front of you rather than reading and imagining in your brain. So not something new um, that we should be shocked by. Rather, it's something that we should be mindful of as parents. So just like last week, let me be completely clear. (laughs) I know that some of you listening today will hold the position that your kids will not be allowed to watch any witchcraft Uh, content or any movies that depict any sort of witchcraft element Um, and then there'll be others who think it's absolutely no big deal I'm not doing this episode to judge which way is right or wrong let's just have another conversation like last week let's see if we can learn something by looking a little deeper and to do that we're going to be comparing three different movies that feature witchcraft so the princess and the frog The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Encanto. Now, two of these movies I will let my kids watch, and one movie I won't. So let's start by reading the plots of each of these movies, and maybe you can guess which one my kids aren't allowed to watch. All right, Uh, The Princess and the Frog. Hardworking and ambitious, oh, hardworking and ambitious, Tiana dreams of one day opening the finest restaurant in New Orleans. Her dream takes a slight detour when she meets Prince Naveen, who has been turned into an amphibian by evil voodoo witch doctor, Dr. Facilier. Mistaking her for a princess and hoping to break the spell, Naveen plants a kiss on poor Tiana, thereby turning her into a frog as well. The pair hop along on an adventure through the bayous to seek the help of a powerful voodoo priestess. The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. During the World War II bombings of London, four English siblings are sent to a country house where they will be safe. One day, Lucy finds a wardrobe that transports her to a magical world called Narnia. 
After coming back, she soon returns to Narnia with her brothers, Peter and Edmund, and her sister, Susan. They join, oh, there they join the magical lion, Aslan, as they fight against the evil white witch. And Encanto. The Madrigals are an extraordinary family who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia, in a charmed place called the Encanto. The magic of the Encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift. Every child except Mirabelle. However, she soon... <laughs> Krista, turn off your notifications. So rude. Um, where is that up to? However, she soon may be the Madrigal's last hope when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is now in danger. So there we go. Three movies all have an element of witchcraftiness in them. So which one do you think I won't let my kids watch? I'll give you a minute. Time's up. All right. If you guessed The Princess and the Frog... You are correct. <laughs> and please, if you do let your kids watch The Princess and the Frog, this is not a judgment call on you, okay? This is just how uh, I've chosen to do things. Um, this is just the parenting call that I've made for my kids and my family. So, but let's look into why. Why would I let my kids watch Encanto and The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, but not let them watch The Princess and the Frog? There are a few reasons, so let me lay them out for you as soon as I've had a sip of water. Alright, firstly, Encanto and The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe are set in fantasy worlds, whereas The Princess and the Frog is set in reality. It's still a cartoon, but it's set in like the real world. There is no actual place like Encanto. And you can't find Narnia in the back of any wardrobe, no matter how hard you may have tried. They are imaginings. They're not real. Voodoo, however, is a very real thing, and it's massive in New Orleans. There really are voodoo witch doctors and priestesses in this world who work with evil spirits. Yeah, they not they are not as powerful as is depicted in this particular movie and they certainly aren't a match for our lord but you could definitely google your way into learning about voodoo and you could meet these witch doctors and priestesses in real life it's not fantasy they are not imaginings it's witchcraft in real life for kids presented in a way for kids um and so that's one of the reasons why but just a little side note Another movie that has some real-world witchcraft in it that I've come across is Balto 2. So this is another movie um, that I'm not letting my kids watch. But anyway, my sister and I had taken our kids to our family batch in the Coromandel. And on rainy days, we would let the kids watch a movie. They'd already watched Balto 1 and it came in like a little box set with Balto 1 and Balto 2. They'd watched Balto 1. I'd seen it when I was a kid. It was fine. They, they really liked it. And then one day they wanted to watch Balto 2. We'd not seen Balto 2, but I didn't think it would be that different from Balto 1. Generally, um, with those kind of sequels, it's basically the same thing, slightly different, you know. So we figured it would be okay, my sister and I. So we turned on the movie for the kids, and it started out all right. But then partway through the movie, it just started 
to bring up all of this new age magic, crystals, talking about spirit guides, and just, yeah, not good. So just like voodoo, new age spiritualism is a real thing. People in real life use crystals, and I'm not saying you can't ever use crystals just for like prettiness, like if you like crystal earrings or necklaces or anything like that, but if you're using them to try and uh, tap into some new age spiritualism, then um, yeah, that's not from God. That's not from God at all. Um, so yeah, it, it's a real thing. People do try and contact spirit guides and succeed. So it's not something, yeah, it's it, it's a real thing. It's not from God and it's not something that you really want your kids thinking is okay or something that is safe to look into. Um, and yeah, but luckily since it was a new movie that none of us had seen before, my sister and I were in the room while that movie was running. So when all of this very heavy, it was quite creepy as well, this creepy new age stuff started showing up in the film, we said to the kids, oh, this is getting a bit weird guys, we're just going to fast forward. So we fast forward, but it was a serious chunk of the movie. So we just held that button down until we'd got all the way past it. Um, yeah, so anyway, it was uh, it was clear to, to us after that that our kids weren't going to be allowed to watch Bolter 2 again. So my sister broke the DVD. <laughs> um, so yeah, she snapped it in half and she was like, all right, I'm just going to do this and then no one else's kid's going to come here and get shocked with that. Um, so yeah, <laughs> total power move, my sister. <laughs> so yes, if it's real world witchcraft, it's not something that I want my kids to see portrayed as a good thing, uh, as a fun, harmless thing, something to check out maybe when they get older and have a bit more freedom on the internet or, or whatever. And that's, again, that's that power of the first mention. If their first mention of um, New Age spiritualism is that it's good, then they're going to carry that with them. And then when it comes up again, oh yeah, that's good. Oh, Crystal's great. Oh, I wonder if I could talk to my spirit guide. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but it's still there. That power of first mention will be there. Um, we can always do things to counter that, but um, there is a, a special kind of power over that first mention. Uh, right, the second reason. So that was reason number one. This is the second reason. The magic in Encanto and in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe is used for good. In Encanto, it helps the community and restores the family. In uh, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, there is good magic and there's also bad magic. And good triumphs over bad. Now, if you don't let your kids watch either of those, again, that's, that's totally fine. Um, but for me, I've decided I feel like that's okay because it's imaginary magic it doesn't exist in the real world and it's used in a positive way um yeah so yeah um okay uh, yeah the good magic triumphs over bad in the line the witch in the wardrobe but in the princess and the frog the magic that is used already starts out from bad right it's bad magic it's this voodoo stuff and the solution to the problem that is caused by the voodoo bad magic is more voodoo bad magic so it's not portrayed as something that needs to be overcome. It's portrayed as the solution, as the good thing, even though they, it started off with this bad angle. It ends up with like, this is good. This is a good part of it. It can be good and bad, which is not. Yeah, <laughs> it's just bad all the way through. All right, so that's the second reason. 
Now the third reason is that there is no, <coughs> excuse me, there is no opportunity to use the story, <coughs> excuse me, of the princess and the frog to share the gospel with my kids. I'm just going to have another sip, sorry. So yeah, there's no opportunity to share the gospel with my kids using that or, or any kind of like biblical worldview, really. In The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is based on the book by C.S. Lewis, the whole movie is a beautiful allegory for the gospel message. And Lewis put that into his story on purpose, because if, if you know him, he's a very famous um, Christian thinker and apologist, and it's, it's a great tool that he gave us. It's an opportunity for Christian parents to have conversations with our kids about God in a way that they can grasp it and understand. Then there's Encanto, not a Christian movie, but even though the writers didn't intend to put Christian messaging into their story, it's actually a pretty great movie to use to talk to your kids about God. And I'll lay that all out for you a little bit later on. But the point is, that we don't have to have uh, that we don't have these opportunities with the princess on and the frog, and that's not to say that I won't let my kids watch anything that doesn't lend to me sharing the gospel with them or talking to them about God or Jesus. Um, it's just these three reasons combined: the real life witchcraft, um, the bad magic saving the day, and that there is no redemptive op opportunity for the gospel to be be presented through the story. At most, the only redemptive quality about this movie is that it could be used as like a cautionary tale. Um, so yeah, look, but look, if, if my kids go to someone's house and the parent doesn't know that I have this kind of unspoken rule in our family that they're not going to watch this movie and other movies similar to that, um, and it just so happens that The Princess and the Frog is the movie that gets watched at some point in the play date. I'm not going to get into a rage and never again let my kids go to that friend's house. What I would do is I would talk to my kids about the movie, use it, like I said, as a cautionary tale, a, a little lesson about staying away from voodoo without dwelling on it, and then we would move on. If my kids wanted to talk about it more, then I would answer any questions that they had as best as I could, but I'm not gonna do a 10-point sermon on the evils of voodoo's voodoo because that might even you know be a bit damaging for them when they're so little and just make them even more interested so just no voodoo is bad blah 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 and then move on um but yeah all they need to know when that when they're that young is that it is bad it is not something that is good and it is not something from god i remember watching movies when i was little little er um when there was that real world type of witchcraft and I don't know I when I was little I could tell the difference when it was real life witchcraft stuff that was going on I felt super creepy and it freaked me out but if there was fantasy ma magic I don't know I didn't have that same feeling I don't know if you can relate to that but I remember going to a friend's house when it was her birthday party when I was about 11 years old so Super fun sleepover party. We played games. We dressed up. We danced to Britney and the Backstreet Boys. Then we ate junk food and watched a movie. And the movie that she had chosen for us all to watch for her birthday was the movie Hocus Pocus. 
You might not be familiar with that movie, so let me just give you the plot. After moving to Salem, Massachusetts, teenager Max Dennison explores an abandoned house with his sister Danny and their new friend Allison. After dismissing a story Allison tells is superstitious, Max accidentally frees a coven of evil witches who used to live in the house. Now with the help of a magical cat, the kids must steal the witch's book of spells to stop them from becoming immortal. If I watch that as an adult now, no big deal. I know it, it wouldn't affect me. But as at 11 years old, it was a PG rated movie that I watched in a cold sweat. <laughs> I was looking away and when I, whenever I could without embarrassing myself, but I wasn't brave enough to say I don't want to watch that. And trying to get to sleep afterwards was nearly impossible and I was afraid to go to sleep for a lot a long long time after that <laughs> but my point is here I am I'm I was such a wuss but my point is that as at an as an 11 year old as an 11 year old I didn't need that our kids don't need these things in their minds when they're adults you know watch you know watch what you want with discretion um but you know we don't we don't need those things in in our kids minds Again, to be fair, I was a pretty lightweight when it, lightweight. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling all over my words today. I was a pretty lightweight kid when it came to scary things. But a lot of kids are. A lot of kids are sensitive to scary things. And um, once it goes in, it's hard for it to come out. And having nightmares every night, waking up in a cold sweat, being too scared to walk anywhere that's dark. It's not fun. All right, moving on from my traumatic <laughs> childhood movie watching experiences um, now let's get into Encanto and how we can actually use this non-Christian movie to talk to our kids about God and the gospel message so to begin I'll give you the plot of the movie for those who haven't seen it and then I'll share how I have used Encanto as a chance to talk to my kids about God and the gospel so here is the plot Encanto follows a multi-generational Colombian family, the Madrigals, led by a matriarch, Abuela, whose children and grandchildren, except for Mirabel, receive magical gifts from a miracle that helps them serve the people in their rural community called the Encanto. So, that's short plot. But, um, let me expand a little bit. So, each member of the family has a gift except for Ma uh, Mirabel and the matriarch, Abuela. So um, so what are these gifts? All right, let me go through them. There's eight. So there's uh, Julieta, and her gift is healing. Luisa, her gift is super strength. Camilo, whose gift is shape-shifting. Bruno has prophecy, can see the future. Dolores has super hearing. Antonio can talk to animals. Isabella can grow plants. Peppa changes the weather. So those are the eight gifts that we see in the movie. And as the movie goes on, we find out that the miracle of these gifts, and it, they describe it as a miracle too, the miracle of these gifts comes from the house, the casa, and a special candle that is inside the casa. And the miracle actually started when Abuela's husband sacrificed himself to save a, save a 
the abuela and their three babies. So this is way back when they were first married. They just had three triplets, uh, not three sets of triplets, but three babies, one set of triplets. Um, so he sacrificed himself to save um, his family. And so from there, the casa, their home, became alive and there was like this beautiful, amazing thing and it moves around and is magical in itself. Um, and then that candle became a special thing. And then whenever the kids got to be a certain age, I'm not sure what age it was, maybe 10, they would get given a gift from this candle of all of these different things um, that I just laid out. Um, so Abuela's, Abuela's children each got their gifts and then later on her grandchildren too, but not Mirabelle. All right, so that's the movie. How do we get from there and from that to talking to our kids about God. You know your kids the best. You do. You know the best way to communicate with them. But this is how I did it for my kids. Maybe that'll help you with yours. Or maybe you would think of a different way, a better way that your kids would actually respond to it and pick it up. Um, so this is how I did it. We were driving to school and listening to we don't talk about Bruno for the 100th time. And then at some point I paused the music and I said, guess what? You know how Louisa, uh, Louisa is super strong? I know someone who was super strong like that. And then my kids, they like gasped in the back seat. Really? Who was it? And then I carried on. <clears throat> so I didn't answer their question. I carried on and I said, and you know how Pepper can change the weather? I know someone who can do that too. What? Really, they say? And then my oldest goes, I know who it is. <laughs> He's smart. But my five-year-old was still on the hook and still amazed and just asking, who is it? And then I go on and I say, and I know someone who can heal people like Julieta, who can shapeshift like Camilo and see the future like Bruno and who hears everything like Dolores and who can talk to animals like Antonio and who can grow something out of nothing like Isabella and at this point my five-year-old is like ready to burst and my seven-year-old can't take it anymore and he says I know who it is it's God he says <laughs> and then I say yes you're right you're so clever well done that's right all of those amazing things that the Madrigals can do in the movie God does for real and then I just talked for a little bit about all of the things that God has done that's way better than the Madrigals, like how God can heal, but he doesn't need to do it through food like Julieta. Uh, he's super strong, but he's stronger than, not just strong for out of people, but he's stronger than anything in the universe, but he doesn't feel the pressure like Louisa. Uh, he can create any kind of plant like Isabella from nothing, but not just plants. He can make animals, people, angels, the universe. And I went on and on, like how he hears everything, like how Dolores can hear everything, how he can talk to animals, like how he control the animals to do this and that. Um, and the story of the donkey in the Bible, you know, that spoke. Anyway, um, so I just went through and we had a little chat about all of these things that um, that actually, you know, the Madrigals, that might be pretty cool if you look at that in the movie sense, but God has all of that for real. And how cool it is that we are in a relationship with God. And then we talked about how it's interesting that there are three things that make the gifts possible. There's the casa, the house, the candle, 
and the grandfather. And then I said, it's kind of like how God is three, eh kids? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I asked the kids to guess which of those three things represents Jesus um, from the movie. And they don't know, so I start giving them clues. I said, so who was it? Did anybody sacrifice their life to save someone else? And then they get it. The grandfather. And I'm like, yes, very good. You're right. Just like Jesus sacrificed himself for us. He laid down his life on the cross for us. And then I asked, what represents, what do you think represents the Holy Spirit? And my oldest one goes, the candle. He got it. I was very proud. He got it. I didn't have to do any clues. The candle, he says, because that's where the miracle power comes from. And just like how the Holy Spirit has the gifts and is a spirit of power in the movie, the candle is the thing that gives them the gifts um, and the power. So if there is no candle, oh, wait, wait. Oh, wait, the casa, that's the one I forgot. Okay. And so there's only one left, and that is God. God is represented in the casa. Just like how that family is um, contained and safe and kept within the magical casa, God has the whole world, has everything, has all of us in his hands, and we are kept safe within him. Um, so yeah, that's what we talked about. Just like how God is three in one, and just like how we can't have God without the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit without God, or access to either without the sacrifice of Jesus, there's no candle. If there's no candle, there's no miracle. If there's no casa, there's no candle. If there's no sacrifice, there's no miracle. So we went all around and talked about that. And it was so great because the kids were just soaking it all in. So yes, we talked about how God is three in one. Um, and then we talked for a bit about how um, at one point in the movie, the house begins to break and the candle goes out because what had happened was, <coughs> excuse me, Abuela was the only, was ended up being only interested in the gifts. She had lost sight of her family. The gifts and the miracle were all that mattered to her. And I just told the kids, I said, you know how the grandma did that? Abuela did that. We need to make sure we don't do that with God. If we are only interested in God because of the gifts of his Holy Spirit or what he can do for us, then we miss the gospel because we're outside of the relationship. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just terrible with my throat today. Um, I have to have another glass of water. I'm sorry. This is number three. Hopefully, <clears throat> that will be the last one. Okay, yeah, we need to make sure we don't do that with God. <clears throat> um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there was a sacrifice that was made by Jesus so that we could have a relationship with God for the relationship with God and for to be able to be with him in eternity in heaven, not to use him for what we can get from him on this side of heaven. Yes, we do get all those benefits, um, you know, like love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things, um, but the relationship must come first. And if something happens and we go through a hard time or whatever, and we're thinking, hey, where's my love, joy, peace, patience, and all of that, we can't just say, forget about it. You know, um, we miss it. The point is God. The point is having God and knowing that we're going to be with him in eternity. Um, yeah. So if we do that, if we go after the gifts, if we go after what we can get from him, just like the casa, everything will crumble around us. 
and we are outside of the purpose of God. So this was all just in the one 15 minute drive to school. It was great because we're so into it and they were asking me questions and we were going back and forth. Um, but this is something that you can do with your kids in a way that will connect to your children. I knew that if I, um, you know, started it out by saying, I know someone, I know, I'm not lying. I'm telling them the truth because I know God, but it intrigues them. It gets them really interested because I know they would have loved to be able to talk to animals. They would love to be able to shapeshift. They would love to be able to control the weather. But, you know, we, we can't do that, but we know someone who can, and that's pretty special. So, yeah. So when you spot Christian themes in the movie or the TV show that you are watching as a family, point it out. Talk to them about it. Maybe not initially, but you could. You could pause it and say, oh, that's just like this. I do that sometimes. Um, or you can talk about it later with your kids. Doing things like this will help our kids establish a biblical worldview so that their first mention, you know, they're talking about things like that, that'll be their first mention and they'll carry that on every time they watch that movie. So now my kids, when they watch Encanto, they're watching it, enjoying the movie, but they have that conversation in their mind of, oh yeah, that's right. That's so cool that they can do that, but God can do it better and God can do it greater and I'm a friend of God. Isn't that cool? Yeah, so that is that is basically it for this episode today. Well, thank you for uh, listening. I hope this episode has been helpful for you. I'm so sorry about my bung throat, um, but I think I need to start taking like vocal zone, sucking on a lozenge or something like that before I start recording. Um, but yeah, I hope this there was something in there that you can take home and maybe add to the way that you do things on the regular with your kids. If you have any suggestions for any other non-Christian movies for kids that provide opportunities to talk about God and the gospel, please comment below. I would love to hear from you. Um, thanks so much for listening. Please like and subscribe. God bless and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, like, give us five stars, and maybe let somebody you know know about this podcast.